Alright everyone, welcome to another episode of Making Movies is Hard. I'm Timothy Plain. And I'm Oliver Purcell. Each week we discuss a different filmmaking topic and give you our point of view on them, not because we're experts, but just because we're two filmmakers trying to figure it out for ourselves. Uh, I missed a little piece there, but that's okay, right? Yeah, that's fine. I thought you were just reinventing the wheel on the fly, uh, which I I always try to, yeah. Yeah, it's good. I try. Well, we have like a whole queue of guests coming up. Uh, We have another one today. We have Hassan Saeed. Did I say that right, Hassan? Hassan Saeed, but yeah, it's close enough. Hassan Saeed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. It's a hard name. It's a hard name. Uh, Yeah. Well, we... (laughs) Hassan and I used to work together at Goodby Silverstein and Partners back in the day, and uh, he was a regular contributor to the, our film festival that we did there. Um, so I've seen a few of his films. And I remember when you went off to LA, I was like, oh man, he's going to make it before I do. <laughs> make make it. What does make it mean? That's a big term. Yeah. That's a big term. Yeah. Uh, become a paid, uh, a rate, uh, let's see. A sustainably paid filmmaker. Ooh, that's that, that, that's ambitious. That's ambitious. Yeah, <laughs> sustainably paid. Yeah. The last thing you did was you had gone to Africa to shoot a film, and you had rate you had like money from the government, and I was like, how is that possible? Like, how is he getting money to shoot a short film? I know it was it was kind of like it was kind of like a dream kind of come true where. I thought we were going to completely fall apart going there and trying to get money from a poor country where 75% of their like goods is uh, like their food or supplies is relied on imports. And we just got really lucky because people there cared so much emotionally to tell a story about their people, their culture, their world. So essentially we kept nagging people for money, banks, government, anybody who could help us with any spare change. And surprisingly, the outcome was a lot better than trying to raise money over here in the U.S. to make the film over there. Wow. When you did that, I just figured you had it all figured out. Mm. I mean, somewhat (laughs) I did. I did. I did my research, of course, but I went to a country where it's the level of of, uh, inconsistency and corruption is fairly high. So it's so unpredictable because, Mm. I mean, one day Mm. somebody could be like, yeah, yeah, totally. We got you. We'll, We'll give you the money. And then they could screw you over the next day and they'd be like, nope. I'm not going to give you anything. It sounds like you're having the opposite problem now in LA in terms of raising money for films. You're having a hard time finding people oh, to yeah. produce things. Is the reason I I wanted to have you on is because I saw this Facebook message. This is like about six months ago. You said, "How is it that it's impossible to find an actual <laughs> film producer in LA who actually wants to make a film, dedicate themselves, and who doesn't just work for hire can actually produce a film from the ground up?" Hashtag lame LA producers. <laughs> That sounds really silly. Yeah, I read that and I was like, "Oh, we got to have him on. We got to talk about this." So, what we'll do is we'll go through your story, and we'll. I want to. I want to talk to like how where you went to college, your time in San Francisco. Because it sounds like you PA'd on some pretty big movies and shows, and then your move to LA and kind of where you are now. Sure, we know you were born in Egypt. Start there. Sure. Uh, Well, um, I was born uh, in Egypt in 1984. Uh, I grew up in a middle-class family. Um, at some point, I had to leave the country because um, it made more sense for me to kind of leave because over there, prospects weren't really going so well. So my dad moved to the States. I ended up moving to New York a year later, um, stayed in New York for five years, 
you know, work different jobs, got, went to community college. Uh, I was trying to get my residency in the U.S. going, but it didn't work out for the, like for seven years. I couldn't get my residency, which was really difficult uh, to survive and not have your papers all in check at times. Uh, Did you move straight to San Francisco from yes, Egypt? Uh, no, for, uh, from Egypt, I, I went to New York and I lived there uh, for a while. And then I ended up uh, moving to San Francisco five years later. Uh, uh, so after finishing community college, I wanted to get, you know, uh, an actual degree. Uh, so I ended up applying for the Academy of Art in San Francisco. I applied to a bunch of other schools. Academy of Art. That's where I went too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I ended up going and... You know, the lady, the, admiss- the admissions lady was really understanding. Is like, yeah, I know. I, I told her, like, I, I'm still waiting on my papers. I don't have all my papers. But, I, you know, I, it says here that it's pending. So can I go to the school? Can I go to the school? And she was really understanding and supportive and talked to, to the school. And I was able to get into the school and, uh, and um, attend. Um, and after that, it was everything else was pretty much. Mo- wait, how many years did you go to the Academy of Art? Three years. And was it a good experience? Um, yes and no. I think, I think definitely better than worse. Uh, I think some people had a harder time in film school, but I think for me it was a good experience because it was, it was, it let me, it was the most time where I had the freedom to do whatever the hell I want or to experiment or, uh, to just collaborate with so many different people on so many different things where you don't have to worry about, oh, locations, permits, money, uh, like all these headaches. Um, so it was really, uh, a good experience in that sense. The bad experience of course comes to, when well, it comes down to the, you know, the financials of being in a school like that and having to cough mm-hmm. up money every semester and, you know, paying the film lab and renting the equipment and all that jazz. That was definitely the, the harder part of it. But I think overall it was a positive experience. Yeah. And how many films did you make in film school that are currently on your website? Wow. Uh... I would say four. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. So you really took advantage of it. Yeah. Because the problem that I ran into is that I'd left film school not having made anything that I could be proud of. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like I had a lot of friends that were kind of in the same boat, but still, like, even when they graduated, they started making stuff and, you know, they're, they're happy with what they're doing. But yeah, once in film school, that's what I actually found interesting. Most people just wanted to go to the class to get the grade and get it over with, but I was the opposite. I wanted to just do projects that I didn't care about going class. So, right. yeah, I, 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 it was kind of ironic because not a lot of people that I know at school ended up making more than a couple of projects that they actually ended up using for their reel later on down the line. Uh, but I just kind of, I didn't really have an option. Like I was kind of struggling at the time. I, I had to dedicate my whole life to this. It was kind of like a hit or miss for me because there was a possibility that I could go back to Egypt if, they, if it didn't work out or I couldn't afford to go to school. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of busting wow. my ass and being very uh, ambitious about it, I guess. What kind of jobs were you able to get when you left college? So while I was in school, I ended up uh, working, at, interning at Goodby Silverstein where uh, Timothy was working. That's how I met Timothy. And uh, I was working there for a while in post-production, like doing some assistant editing or shooting some stuff for them or whatnot. So kind of like a jack of all trades. Um, nice. And in, right before that, I ended up working on a num- I mean, I, I was trying to get on as many shows or as many projects that come in from out of town into San Francisco. 
So I would try to keep up with the film commission and see what's going on. So as soon as I found out that Milk, you know, Gus Van Zandt's movie was coming into town, I was like, I had to be on it. Like Harris Savitas nice. was shooting it. Sean Penn is leading part. And I love Gus Van Zandt, who's one of my favorite directors. So I, at the time, they wanted me to come on and they wanted to pay me, but I didn't have my paper. So I was like, dude, I'll do it for free. I don't care. So I ended up working nice. on Milk for two months for free, pretty much. Um, doing what I was a production assistant for the, uh, assistant directing team. So I was mainly, I was mainly delegating traffic, uh, because there's mm -hmm. a lot of scenes where we had like thousands of extras, uh, in the, okay. in the Castro and, uh, elsewhere. So I had to kind of be like on the run and on the lookout of people and making sure people are in line doing their thing. Of course, when it's like a mellower day and we're shooting like, um, and Harvey Milk's like old photo studio, I would just like, you know, be assisting like the director if he needs anything or run and grab something or whatnot. So, I mean, still kind of in a way a jack of all trades, but not specifically just doing like one thing as a PA, really. Yeah. And did you like it? Oh, I loved it. And I thought it, the crew was also very amazing and very humble. And uh, being able to talk to Gus Van Zandt or Harris Savitas and being 26 at the time, uh, working on that set was just a really amazing experience, which actually made me feel more optimistic about what what's yet to come. But I guess it's not it's not exactly what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. And then you said you also worked on trauma too. I worked on trauma for uh, a couple of episodes. Um, I was I was doing I was production assistant there too, and uh, trauma was just a, a different experience. Really, it was not. A, it was not as um, as entertaining as Milk, but still, like, I, I mean, a lot of the crew people, as far as, like, camera department and production and AD mm -hmm. department I knew of, so it was fun to work with them. But uh, trauma didn't really last long. It just came and went. That's, that's, that's so funny. I actually worked on trauma also as a PA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah um, for, like, just a handful of days, like 12 days or something, yeah. not very much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was it, it, it was fun, you know, when it lasted. Uh, I thought it was going to last a lot longer. I was hoping that. Yeah, I think you know, everyone did. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah I, th I thought we were all going to be like working a lot more based on that show. But uh, I mean, I, I think the city at the time as well was not really very encouraging of and still is not very encouraging of people shooting there. Uh, because right. they're, they're trying to get more encouraging, I think. They, they've you know, been I've trying heard some, for 10 some changes. Years, they've been trying for 10 years <laughs> to be encouraging, but the, the small phone commission office with two desks and nobody answering the phone is not going to get the city anywhere, really. Yeah, yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah, so you moved to LA five years ago now, right? Yes. What have you been doing in LA since you got there? I've been. I've been. Oh wait! Before actually, before mm. we talk about what you're gonna, what you're wow. doing, what did you think you were gonna do <laughs> when you left San Francisco and moved to LA? And then what? And then what did you end up doing? Sure. Well, I already contacted some people before I left San Francisco to meet. One of them is an executive at Disney and mm. a couple other producers. I had my work ready. I had my portfolio ready. I have my website done. I had everything in check. I had. You know, submitted my work to a number of fest festivals, excuse me, got some awards. So I thought, okay, now I'm in a position where maybe I could be shadowing somebody or maybe uh, being mentored by a really good director. Or Yeah, how many producer. festivals have you played at at this point? Because your stats Pro here say 50 festivals. Was that, yeah. Is that kind of accurate? 
I think so about 50 because we're talking about almost like eight to nine projects. So between eight to nine projects, yeah, about 50. And how many awards did you pick up at those 50 festivals? I don't because I I looked at your homepage and there's the 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 one like screenshot and there's just like all these laurels on it. Well, it needs to get up. It needs to get updated, honestly. But uh, I, I, I probably, I think I got about like eight, nine awards. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I'm just guessing off the wow. top of my head. But I think about eight. Nine, and again, like different projects: some for editing, some for directing, some for film, yeah, some. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so you're a award-winning filmmaker. You go to LA. You have your projects. You have all your contacts. You're ready to go. And I'm broke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're broke. <laughs> you're broke. <laughs> you get one shot, kid. And what does yeah. Disney tell you? Uh, Disney gives me. I mean, the person I met at Disney is a really amazing person. He's a really humble human being, and I don't. I don't know if I should mention his name, but um, he. It was just kind of like it was the first push where you start to see. Okay, well, this might go this direction. Where somebody's like telling you, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. You know, just keep focusing, do your thing, and do the feature film first, and then we'll see, you know, uh, maybe after that you'll get this, or maybe somebody will hire you for this, and I started to really believe, I mean, the person who was talking to me, of course, he's been in the industry for a long time, but I started Mm -hmm. to realize, like, okay, that person's, like, on a whole different uh, time page than the time we're existing in, because it's really shifting a lot rapidly than that, and I thought, okay, with the the changes in technology and how fast it's evolving and how now people are opening their own YouTube channels or doing their own shows or the the whole concept of a one man show is becoming more and more evident today than it was 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. it's becoming very relevant that, Oh, you know how to use this, you know how to do that. You know, I mean, most people are, that hire producers or companies or whatnot, they're really seeking to be cheap about who, they bring on. So if I'm a person who could do all this stuff for them and cost them a lot less money, even though it could compromise the quality of the project, they don't care as long as it costs them less money. Right. Well, it, it's funny because like I, what you're saying rings really true to me for like corporate video yeah. and like any kind of video production where I'm being hired. But if you're trying to like get a, a, a feature film off the ground, it feels like, I don't know. It just seems like it's all about like the, what the budget's going to be. So I guess it kind of goes hand in hand with that too. Cause if you can do it for less, yeah. then obviously they're going to be more interested in working with you. But I mean, it just feels like at the, at the level where, you know, like a Hollywood movie costs millions and millions of dollars. Like if you're in LA, you know, in, in my naive, you know, mind, and I, I don't really think this way anymore, but I used to think like, oh, you go to LA, like you just need a hundred thousand dollars to make a movie. That's not a big deal. Like, no, like the studios, like, you know, they spend that like on craft services, yeah. you know, like why can't they just like break that off and like, let's go make movies. But I, I, I mean, as it seemed like people are not willing to do that at all yeah. in LA, like no one wants to spend anything. Yeah. Well, I, I think your rationale Makes sense. If you're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on craft services, might as well give it to a movie and get it made. And, and, <laughs> right, and that's absolutely right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, cause why not? You could spare that. It's uh, I think it's not just LA. I think even elsewhere, but of course that mentality is springing out of LA and spreading everywhere else in the country and even the world. Ironically, back in the day in Hollywood, seventies, eighties, if you're a good director, again, like you, you're somebody who's get recognized for your work and you get hired to do, a project based on a producer putting together a team 
based on a script that they option and based on, you know, maybe an actress or an actor they have in mind and maybe uh, a good DP. Like they put that together today. A producer doesn't do that. It's really the director that does most of that. A director's a director today in order to make a feature film is expected to have at least half the budget uh, is expected to have at least an B or a or C list actor attached. Um, and then maybe a producer will consider talking to you and see if you're even worthy wow. of getting the project made, which is absurd because it's a catch 22. You're chasing your tail. If I had the money, why the hell would I come to you to produce my own project? Cause guess what? I know how to produce or I could just hire a line producer to do all the paperwork right. for me. It's all catch 22. So let's go, let's go back to when you first moved, when you first got to LA, when you had these projects that you're ready to, to yeah. shop around, did you know how much they were going to cost to make or you just, they were just ideas? No, I had, I had uh, one of them. I had a script right now for fully written out. Uh, I didn't break the budget down because again, I was looking for a producer, but I had a ballpark of, yeah, it might cost within that range. And the other one, how much did you think it was? What was the number you're throwing out? Under a hundred thousand. Oh, so very cheap. So it's like what Alric was saying. Yeah, even a hundred, a hundred thousand. Like I, I'm, I, I even got to a point where the the Aaron, the person that I'm doing the web series with, after like multiple attempts on different projects, were like, okay, let's write a, a project that takes place in one freaking location with four mm-hmm. freaking people, and it doesn't leave and doesn't add more cast, so it doesn't cost us anything. And I met with twenty seven producers, and I got twenty seven excuses. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's all I got, and, and and it came down to like, oh my god, we're trying to make like the simplest, easiest thing that we could shoot maybe in a week, and we already have the apartment to shoot, and it's like, come on, it's a no brainer. Like you have to just get some money to feed people or do some marketing or festival submissions. Like nobody wanted to do it. No, nobody, nobody, or even knew how to do it. Which is funny because at film school, I learned that stuff, but of course on a much smaller scale when it comes to shorter films, but. Mm-hmm. Some of them know how to do it, but a lot of them just really don't know how to produce, and that's unfortunate. You know, they just they know how to be hired on a job and being told by somebody to call these vendors or call these people <laughs> or get these insurance. Right. That's done. different. That's like that's the the me producer. Yeah, it's like I just hire other people to do stuff. Sure, but me. that's what they expect on on that level too. But I mean, for you, it's, right. I mean, it's expected because you work in a bigger operation. But if you're working on a one-on-one project and you're the main producer no yeah. you're not coming on just to do that man like, <laughs> like so you get when so after you met with everyone and you kind of yeah. you got told no a lot mm-hmm. you know, how did you feel at that point i felt that I, I i think that i started feeling that um i don't know i felt that i i, I maybe chose the wrong career path to get into <laughs> <laughs> Did you go to LA because you thought there was going to be more opportunities? Why didn't you just stay in San Francisco? Well, yeah, I mean, because Alric would have produced your film in a in a heartbeat. Well, uh, I'm down here, you know. I'm I'm I'm, I'm six <laughs> hours away. I'm not that far. Yeah, it's uh, not that far. That's my hope. That's why I stayed here. We're not that far away. Only six hours away. No, not a big deal, right? Exactly. That's not bad at all. An hour flight, you know, you can make it. Um, I think San Francisco. Um, the problem was first. I I felt that. I mean, I expected LA not to be easy, but in the same time, I've had a lot of friends at the time migrating down there because they were they started working or hustling for work. And for a director, it was just a natural progressive step to come down here to try to get things done. Because in San Francisco, I started making, I, I mean, I did a lot of work up there. I shot a lot of projects. I did art shows. I did uh, screenings. And it was a blast. And the community is amazing. Yet, 
there's really zero potential for any growth as a filmmaker, I feel, in San Francisco. Oh. That, unless you have money. That's a whole, <laughs> if you have money, that's the difference. Or you have access to money well, to wait, get wait, to We're, we're going to prove you wrong, Hassan. Please, yeah, please the ironic do. thing is we're all in the same boat. Oh, I know. No, I know that. <laughs> right? I know that. And, and I, think it's, I think it's even harder in San Francisco than it is in L.A., even with all the competition. And mm-hmm. the reason being is, you know, I mean, it's just that I don't think the city really cares. I don't think the city really cares to endorse or support projects to come and shoot there because they already have an outlet where they make a shit ton of money and that's about it. And that's all they care about. Uh, it's politics. You're talking about LA or San Francisco? San Francisco. Right San Francisco. I'm talking about the tech industry. Right. Oh, mm-hmm. That's the outlet that brings them the money, and that's all they care about. If the film, indi- I mean, they could have made a lot of money off the film industry for the past 20, 30 years where people were right. trying, like Francis Ford Coppola and so many other filmmakers were trying to shoot a lot of projects there, but they really didn't care. You could tell they didn't care. The simplest fact that, that shows that they don't care is if you call the, the New Orleans, for example, Film Commission, you get a half hour voicemail of projects going on numbers and contacts to producers. Here's who you need to contact if you want to get a job. They cared. San Francisco, they take a week to get back. I mean, the film commission, that is. They take a week to get back to you on, on an email, and they just bust your ass about shooting anything, and they keep saying you need a cop all the freaking time. And it's, it, 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 they, so you didn't feel supported up here in San Francisco. Community so wise, no. Community mm-hmm. wise, they did absolutely. I love the community, and people would come out to my my screenings, and it was awesome. But I felt like logistically, financially, and bureaucratically, no, it wasn't feasible, really. Well, I, now are you finding? I wanted to say like, one thing I, I about know, that. I know, I know, you want to jump in and defend San Francisco, but I just want to talk about like San Francisco versus L.A. Uh-huh. When you got to L.A., do uh-huh. you feel like that? that you're getting what you weren't getting in San Francisco? I was expecting and hoping that I did not necessarily receive that yet. Uh, I could see that there is more than what was there in San Francisco. By the way, I'm not dissing on San Francisco. I love San Francisco. I go visit all the time. (laughs) It's it's like, it's my second home. This podcast is over. We're turning this off. (laughs) Screw you. We're done. (laughs) (laughs) Delete. No, um, No, that's cool. No, 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 I do. I do. But, uh, I, I started seeing the tech uh, element affecting the city drastically, and I started seeing everybody doing corporate jobs, and nobody was interested to do fiction anymore. I started right. noticing that there's no money to get to make any project up there. I started noticing how harder the film commission was getting. I started noticing these little changes that started make to make it seem like it's going to be impossible to make anything. I wanted to stay in San Francisco for as long as I could, but I realized that as a director, maybe if I was in a technical position, I could stay up there. But since I'm a director and I want to tell narrative fiction, I really had to move down here and started meeting possible producers that could collaborate and do work and actually want to do stuff or, you know, investors or maybe, you know, because now I also in LA, like I ended up getting into the Screen Actors Guild, meet potential actors that I could maybe in the future collaborate with. Of course, it's not that easy or not that cookie cutter. It's not it's not that easy or, or as simple as I'm putting it. But um, 
San Francisco. I hear you. Yeah, I hear you. Ulrich, yeah. jump in. I know you well, want to defend Well, I was going to say, because like, the San Francisco Film Commission thing, like around like 2010 or 2011, like I, I had the same experience, um, yeah. you know, trying to get a project done. Like every time you'd call, they would like, you know, be busy or not be able to talk to you or whatever. And then um, just like a couple years ago, like 2014, 2013, mm-hmm. around there, I had to uh, – produce a little web series and they were way way nicer and way way better so i kind of feel like they're trying to get better and they're and they're making some improvements and you know they they worked with me they made it pretty easy for me to get my project um done and get the permit i needed you know and they're like you know that kind of stuff so i just felt like they had made a change and then i was also going to say the oakland film commission is really really great and they really are trying to like you know support everyone so i don't know i'm just sticking up for bay area filmmaking a little bit (laughs) um but also I, I wanted to ask about like you know so, so the, the big things that I like if I were to move to LA the big things that I thought yeah. that the the benefit would be is like okay so there's agents down there there's actually a chance to potentially meet an agent and and get signed yeah. and then also like I was trying to get a mentor for a while and I was calling yeah. um, directors in LA and they would be like oh yeah I meet with you and then the first thing they would ask is like oh do you live in LA and I'd be like no and they're like well call me when you li- move to LA. So I was just curious, like, have you had any luck, like trying to find like mentors or meeting with agents? Like how, how is that sure, side of sure. it gone? That's a, that's an interesting topic that you bring up. Cause a, a couple of years ago I met with an agent and, uh, and again, going back to what we we're talking about with the change in technology, the one man show, a lot of agents now are looking for directors that have a high YouTube or Twitter or Instagram followers mm. versus, so it's becoming a, a beauty popularity contest. It's almost like you're in a big reality TV show. Oh my god! Where they're just looking for oh oh you really have like a hundred thousand Instagram followers. That means you're probably amazing. Oh my god! Like so that's what they oh fall for. Oh god! And it's retarded, of course. It's like because because I get this. It's like, dude, I really love your work. I really love what you do. You have such a unique eye. But I mean, right now we're looking for somebody who has like at least blah 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 followers on Twitter. Right? Oh, at least right. blah blah. blah followers on 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 instagram or whatever and that's becoming more the reality for agents even as a director you know even i'm not even talking as an actor i'm talking like as a director i mean i don't know why why how many instagram followers matter to me as a director or how does that make my project better or worse but it it makes it so somebody can make money off of you because you have a built-in audience it's just it's the same reason that they make a, a batman movie or a batman versus superman movie because there's batman fans and superman fans and if they put them in a movie together those fans will come out to see it so all they want is they want to know that if you're making original stuff you already have a fan base Sure, so but, but but it's almost like it's up to us now to like say yes prove no. ourselves before we can even get those opportunities. Well, I I think that's a really horrible way for them to assess people and their talent because I don't think it's going to tell anything at all on how you could tell a good story if you have a lot of people following you because people could follow you because simply you put your shots of your cleavage online every other day and, and you, you, yeah but or, if they can make money off of it they don't care if it's no no story, i get right? that because again it's again it's the business and they the, the, and that's the, that's the, that's why we're all facing the catch 22 it's because the money aspect mm-hmm. but if you look at how the industry standard is now i honestly think that's total shit if this is how you're gonna hire people based on the on these like superficial crap it doesn't prove anything <laughs> on telling on how good are you you are on 
editing a film or acting in a film. I think, yes, it makes you more bankable, of course, which means more dollar signs. Amazing. Just kind of like getting a big actor like Ben Affleck to play Batman because he's a bankable name, <laughs> even though he's really a shitty Batman. But it's, 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 it still comes down to this. It's a popularity contest. All they care about is the popularity contest. They don't. Well, I think you're you're generalizing a little bit because I I've, I believe that there's two different kinds of producers. Hmm. There's producers, and when I'm talking about producers, I'm talking about people that are willing to put their money into a film mm-hmm. to to sell it to an audience. Yes, and I've I've talked to both sides, and and then there's definitely the producers that all they care about is making money. Yeah, and those people don't care about the they're they're not worried about whether or not the film is gonna historically be something that people watch in five years they just want to know all right this guy has a million followers on youtube i could probably sell sell the movie at ten dollars a pop for to ten percent of those so i could recoup an investment of a hundred fifty thousand dollars pretty easily i can make five times my money so here you go here's a hundred fifty thousand dollars youtube star go make your movie you'll you'll keep five percent of the profits or whatever and it's just a business deal pure business deal that's not based on the art art at all and that's 90 percent of people it. like there's a lot of people and then i mean and that's what the reason we all complain about hollywood is because it's it's very much just a business machine that churns out products for people to buy it's capitalism yep. it's yep. consumerism right yep. Yep. and then there's people where i feel like we fall into this camp as independent filmmakers where we're doing it for the love yes. of trying to tell a really good story yes. and because i think if you're trying to compete on the hollywood level or on the business level it's really really hard to do that because we don't bring a lot to the table besides the craft and if you're talking to people that don't care about the craft you're never going to get anywhere so what i feel like we have to do is if you can't find the people that are are the ones that care about the craft yeah we have to become yeah. the people that care about it and we have to raise the money ourselves if all you need is a hundred thousand dollars dude go to kickstarter like you can raise a hundred thousand dollars in Kickstarter. Well, that's even. easier said than done. <laughs> exactly, is exactly. Not like Timothy, it's, it's not like you can just oh, I want to raise a hundred thousand dollars. Let's just go to Kickstarter. No, no, no I'm not saying. I'm you not have saying to it's know people thing, with it's a money. No-brainer, but I'm saying that's an option. It's one way to get your movie made, and I and I feel like for a hundred thousand dollars, it's you can't sit around waiting for somebody to give you that money. You you either have to like go raise it yourself or figure out how to make your movie sure. for fifty thousand or twenty thousand. Or we just talked to a filmmaker last week that did his feature for three thousand dollars. Yeah, well, I, I, no, I, I hear you out, but I, I I agree and disagree with some of what you're saying because I love it. I think uh, here's the thing. Yeah, it, it's all about you're saying. Well, yeah, they they want to focus on you being bankable versus the craft. And guess what? The craft is most of it and and what you're talking about as far as producers that are driven by capitalism that's the majority of producers you get in this town that trickle down to la nashville uh atlanta new york that's the mentality that you get that trickles down yeah there are producers that are passionate because guess what i also produce and i am passionate about traveling to africa and do a movie for free and try to raise money so i could tell a story and that's what i care about doing even though I know it's not bankable or it's not going to make a lot of money or any of that bullshit. Mm-hmm. But in the, in the same time, telling fi- making films is not simply just, yeah, go to Indiegogo or go to Kickstarter and raise $100,000. If I know people that can give me $100,000, then I will do that. But most of the people that I know can't afford to even eat or afford <laughs> to live or they're struggling themselves. So raising $100,000 is not that simple to raise it online. 
And especially if you're trying to do something that's outside of the box, that is more maybe human-driven or drama-driven. If you're doing something that's over-the-top action sci-fi comedy that's really funny and cool <laughs> and entertaining and awesome and with a hot chick, maybe you'll get $100,000. Uh, so now you're complaining about audiences. <laughs> no, I'm not complaining about audiences, but, but that's another realm to it. You're talking about bankability. This is what sells, right? This is what's going to get you $100,000 on Kickstarter. But yeah. the, the reality is most people don't get the money that they aim to raise. Yeah, maybe I'll go to Indiegogo and get a portion of what I was hoping to raise. But in all, in all actuality, if I'm going to make a film with $3,000 or $30,000, some people that are going to be working on that film are going to get screwed, whether it's pay, whether it's uh, overtime, and they're not going to, or not, they're not going to be making the proper rate that they deserve for the amount of work that they're putting into it. And that's going to become that becomes unfair, and I don't like to do that because that affects right. the quality of the work. Because in the end of the day, they're going to feel like shit, and they're overworked and they're tired. I think there is some light at the end of the tunnel, but the reality is, what I am talking about is what's mostly present in your face as far as what you experience as a director. Yeah, not mm. not we're not talking about the the cool, awesome people that are the minorities. Yeah, there are really amazing, talented, great-minded, ambitious, passionate people who really want to do something, who really care. And guess what? I also want to make a profit. But in the end of the day, I don't base it on how many people like my Twitter feed or <laughs> right. my, my Instagram photo because I don't think that weighs any success to anything. Hey, Zack Snyder has a lot of followers, but guess what? He makes a lot of bad movies too. Right? It's They're bankable. They make a shit ton of money. But aesthetically, uh, morally, even <laughs> they're not that good. So it, it's 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 it, yeah. I mean, sure, I could be somebody like that, and and maybe I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not I'm not I'm not comparing myself to Zack Snyder. I'm just saying that I could go with that mentality. <laughs> I could go with that mentality. No, I know. But I guess my my advice to you mm -hmm. is to not wait around for somebody I'm to not. come save you. And that, that's what it sounds like you're doing. It's like you haven't done a feature because you're waiting for somebody to come along and help you get it done. You just have to figure out how to do it yourself. Well, that's just the reality of it. And the reality is that most people in on the indie level are just figuring out themselves. There's 4,000, at least 4,000 feature films are being made on independent level every year. 4,000 yeah. people are figuring out and how to make And there's millions them. of filmmakers too. And guess the, there's the, tons of us. And millions. I think that's why, probably why it's even harder for us is because it's now there's so many people out there doing what we're all doing, trying yes. to find producers, trying to find money that probably they're just like, well, yeah. how do I choose a project yeah. to work on? You well, know? well, I think, I, I think you're right because I, I, I don't think it's as simple as just going and do it, Timothy, because it, it, it just it takes a lot more than me to make a film. I mean, I, sure, I, I could be the one writing it. I could even shoot it. But if I'm going to be doing all that, it's going to be a shitty film. There's no guarantee, no matter how talented you are, if you take on the ambitious feat of doing everything on a project, editing, writing, directing, and even shooting, because you don't need to wait around f for people it's going to compromise the quality of the work, well, whether you like it or not. Yeah, but I don't think he's saying that you should go out and do everything yourself. I think he's saying that like you need to be the one to physically raise the money yourself because no one's going to do yeah. it for you and no one's going to... 
you know, no one's like you're not going to meet a producer who's going to like like love your script so much that they're going to want to like raise even fifty thousand dollars for you. Like you have to be yes. the one to get yes. the, like like those like the people you're talk complaining about, like saying like you have to come up with at least half the budget and and a star, yeah. you know. And I feel like I've heard that from other producers around here and, and from other places yes. as well. So it sort of feels like this is a kind of the reality that we live in. Like how, no matter how much it sucks, like I think that's what we have to do. Like we <laughs> have to get the star and we have to get the money and then, or at least some of the money and then we can go to the producers and then like maybe they'll help us out, you know? But uh, I feel like it that's is exactly falling it. to us, you know? The barrier to entry is just, at the, it's a really, it's a lot higher than it was before where maybe 20 years ago, if you just had a really good script, you're able to find people to help out. But now it's so much competition. I think it's now because we have to now prove that there's some momentum already behind our project, which is where the half of the funding comes in and having a star attached. So that way people go like, all right, this project is already separated from the thousands of other projects out there. This guy wants it bad enough that he's gone out and figured out at least this part of it. He's serious. I'm going to talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I think, I think that's, that's definitely very true. I think it, it, it has shifted. And it has changed, and it goes back to also what I was talking about—the one-man show idea. Where, as a director now, it's, a, it's there's a lot more acquired of you than mm-hmm. before. And uh, I still, I, I still have faith that there is people out there that really, because that are passionate that would want to produce something. I'm not people. I'm not saying like a producer who is just going to give me fifty thousand dollars to go make a film. I'm talking about somebody who's creatively invested into working with me hand in hand for a year or so to make this film and make sure it gets out there. Yeah. It's hard to motivate people to work on your project though at any yeah. level. Like I've, I, I took like six months to, to motivate people to work on spirit machine. And it's just tough because I think what happens is like, as the creators of this, of these projects ourselves, yeah. we get really excited about them, but to and get other people excited and see what we see, it just takes time and it takes energy. And it's hard to just find somebody that just immediately sees it. So I, I understand your frustration. It's tough. Yeah. yeah finding yeah. somebody who's going to care as much as you do about your film that you're trying to make is extremely, extremely difficult. But I think, that's really what's might re- even be rare. Yeah, I mean, n- n- yeah, I mean, near impossible, basically. But I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't think they need to be the same level. But you read a script, you, you it catches you, you love it. There's something that draws you to it. There's a person, personal right. reason why you relate to it that drives you. That in itself gives you a motivation. Plus, a director with an aesthetic that you like or a, or an appeal that in itself could be one plus one yeah. equals two. And, and it could I re- be a small I've foundation. read hundreds and hundreds of. I, I guess you would call them amateur scripts on like ink tip <laughs> or like just asking people to send me scripts or on yeah. Zotropes website, just trying to get inspired like that yeah. out of those scripts. And it really is probably like 300 scripts. Let's say I probably found two that I was motivated. Like you said, yeah, two out of like 300, <laughs> but that's like less than 1%. So just understand if you're a producer and you're reading scripts all the time, it just must be so disheartening because oh, you're yeah. just like, there's so much shit out there. But those two <laughs> and those two I tried to pursue, but of course, if it's good, everyone, wants everyone else it. is yeah. trying to get it. Yeah, <laughs> and so true. I lost out on a few things because other people already, already had them. Yeah. And yeah. who am I? I'm just like some dude in San Francisco, with some short films that works at a, a commercial agency. I, I don't have any sway over 
of somebody who's in LA that's produced a few features. So exactly, yeah, it's competitive. Yeah. Anyway, Ulrich, did you have something that you were going to say? I was just going to say it's like the producing partnership is really what you want. Like you want to find a producer who's not going to just yeah. be your producer that you hire, but is going to be your partner yeah. and like like work with you on it passionately and like like in in a very cohesive manner. And I think finding sure. those people are extremely, extremely difficult. Like most of the time, it's like you said, it's like somebody who's doing it because they want to produce movies and because uh, they're getting paid to do it, you know? Like I think yeah. it's rare that you find someone who's like willing to like make the sacrifice with you and, and jump in this project and, and treat it as their own, you know? And I think... Yeah, yeah the Allricks of the world are very rare that'll say, I sat down with Allrick the first time I ever met him and we, we talked for like an hour and at the end of the conversation he goes, hey man, if you want to work on something, you know, let me know. I'll even produce for you. Yeah. Nice. Like, what? And then th- <laughs> who's this guy? And then three weeks later, Timothy calls me with a project and then we, we made it and it's actually now out in the world. So, you know, I mean, hey man, like that, I think that's they how, it, that's how you need to get it done. But I mean, I feel like not very many people are doing it that way. <laughs> you know? No, I agree. And, and that's, that's the kind of producer I'm talking about, which is you is, I mean, <laughs> Timothy meets you you are both passionate about making movies. You don't give a shit about what Timothy's doing. But hey, you want to look at it. You might be interested. You look at it. You're interested. Let's do it. That's the mentality that is really missing in this industry, whether it's B, San Francisco or L.A. Because guess what? If you're an amateur producer and you don't have money to invest in a film, you still have hundreds of producers that are way beyond you, that you still have to compete and do a lot more work to get where they are. And you have to start somewhere. But if you're going to be somebody who doesn't deal or look at things the way, for example, that you do, Ulrich, like you're going to have a much harder time making it because you're not willing to be flexible. You're just you're going so orthodox by the books that, you know, there's a hundred thousand other people doing what you're doing. So good luck getting there. But if you're not going to try anything new or if you're not going to take any risks, then you're not you're not also going to get anywhere. Because, again, like Timothy was saying, one percent of the scripts that he read we're good out of, you know, two scripts out of 300, which is not even 1%. So if people don't have the aspect of risk or they're not willing to take a risk or, or uh, defy the odds a little bit, then they're not going to grow as producers or as filmmakers because most of the people that are successful today at some point in their career took a risk on something or put money towards something or bet all their money on one thing and that got them somewhere else. But if you're going to keep playing it safe and doing the romantic comedies or uh, the happy endings or just the same old thing over and over and over and wanting to be a producer for hire, then you're just going to be a stale individual amongst a lot of stale tasting <laughs> products, you know? So that's a plea out there to all you producers. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I wonder if any producers listen to this show. Yeah, I wonder. I, I hope I, I feel like it's just a bunch of like directors like us that's that like yes. to complain about how it's hard to get movies. Yeah, made. lots of aspiring filmmakers, <laughs> you know. Um, Keep making movies. Do your yeah. thing. Don't worry about the results, and just do what you love. We're doing this yeah. because we love making movies, exactly. and let's just focus on that. All those dreams about how we were going to be famous and self-sustainable filmmakers are probably just dreams, and the, yeah. the chances that anybody, no matter where what your background is that you're going to get to that level is very, 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 very slim. I so agree. We, we, all we can do is focus on the work and making the best that we can. So let's leave on that note, the high yeah. positive. Yes. Let's go make some stuff. Let's go make <laughs> movies now. Um, no, I, I agree with you, Timothy. I think 
And that's what I was saying. I think it's really important that you don't think, oh, so what do you think you, I mean, because you get at the, ask that question. It's like, oh, so what are you going to do two years from now? Or uh, what do you have going on next? Or, uh, oh, what do you want right. to do? Uh, are you writing something? You I mean, I think that you're right. I think you can't think of it as a ladder that you're climbing. You just have to take it one project at a time. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, ironically, I realized even at a young age that filmmaking is a lifelong process. You it see is, all yeah. you see all these great filmmakers. A guy like Akira Kurosawa, for example, he talks about the fact that even after making Dreams, which is like forty years after him making mm-hmm. films, he still felt that he still had a lot to learn about cinema. You have a guy like Francis Ford Coppola, who you know made The Godfather, Apocalypse Now, you know a lot of great films. He still is struggling to find a new outlet and get funds to make his new stuff. Right. These people give me hope, the old school people, not the new school people. The old school people <laughs> give me hope because they re- they all worked in the industry and then they all decided to leave the industry because they wanted to do something more meaningful and they're still at it and they're still hustling and busting their balls about it. You know, I mean, Francis Ford Coppola lost all of his money after Apocalypse Now, but yeah. he's he's not doing commercially, quote unquote, successful movies, but he's doing mm-hmm. what he wants and he's happy doing it. That's, That's where it. I want to be. Yeah, you know? do what you want. Yeah, yeah, totally. Figure out a way to do what you want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Francis always says that you have to find your, like, oil well, you know? Like, he has the winery yeah. and all that stuff. Like, that's how he was able to do whatever he wanted to do. So, he's like, yeah, find your, whatever your oil well is going to be, find that, and then just yes. use that to make movies. Um, exactly. But I don't know how to do that, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to make millions of dollars. Uh, I wish I did. And, and make movies yeah, at the same time. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> if I, if I know Hassan's going to get cast in a, a successful commercial campaign, <laughs> and he's going to be like the face of Verizon or something. Look and you're this. just going to, yeah, you're going to just make tons and tons of money, and you're going to use that to make your movies. I know. I really hope so. I think it, all yeah. it takes is that. But I think you're right. I mean, I mean, uh, Ulrich brought up a good point where it's uh, we're not really good business people because if we were, we'd be making films all the time. (laughs) That's what it comes down to. (laughs) By the way, this was really a lot of fun and I really like talking to you guys and it makes me miss San Francisco even more. Um, <laughs> Come I've, back. There's a bunch of people up here that believe San Francisco is the is things are happening here. There's a groups of people like actors getting together and talking about how San Francisco is the place and um, film festivals and it's weird. <laughs> There's like I've talked to so many people in the last yeah. year that are just like something's happening in San Francisco and I look at them and be like really. Is it? <laughs> But I guess there's a, a big belief that there is. So maybe something will happen. Yeah. I think it's ho- it's hope driven. I mean, hopefully somebody like you guys were are just gonna start paving the way of, of of hey, it's okay to make smaller things. We actually could make smaller movies. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. And you know, we make a couple every once in a while. And if that just on its own happens, that will make a huge difference because that in itself doesn't even happen anymore because. Most of the artists and filmmakers are driven out of the city now. Like, they don't even live in the city now. Yeah, um, right. Like, even Ryan Coogler, who just uh, made Creed, you know, he's in L.A. now, I think. Yeah, of, well, of course. I mean, so that's sad. I know, he's doing <laughs> Ryan, Black Panther. Back. He's doing Black Panther, man. Like, yeah, he has to be down here with the devils. Yeah, um, with the devils. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It is a devil city. It is a devil city. And But honestly, L.A. has a lot of really talented, really hungry people like I am that really want to do something. And writers, directors, 
uh, I'm not going to talk about producers anymore and maybe actors as well. But um, but uh, let's it, end with this. Why don't you tell people who are considering moving to L.A. why they should move to L.A.? What, like what their reasons should be? I think that you should move to L.A. not because you want to work for a studio. I think you should move to L.A. not because you want to make millions of dollars. I think you should move to L.A. because you want to be a filmmaker and that's that you just have to focus on being a filmmaker and you can't be distracted by all the Hollywood appeal and all these big billboards and all these big YouTube celebrities nowadays or any of these big films. You have to focus on your craft and LA is a good city to be in because there's so many people like you who are ambitious to even work for free even to make something. So it's a great place. It's a great resource and there's great locations here to be shot. But Unfortunately, most people get sidetracked by, oh, I have to make a living or, oh, there's people making a lot better money or a lot better work than I am. So I feel discouraged that I'm not doing that. I think those two things are the biggest killers of ambitions and filmmaking talent. So I think people who want to move to L.A., I highly encourage them to do so. But as long as they pursue their craft and work on their craft and be who they are and not get lost in the conundrum that is L.A., because it can be a conundrum. There you go. That's a great ending thought. Awesome. Love it. And that applies to everyone. Don't get lost oh, yeah. out there. Yeah. Just oh, yeah. keep, keep pursuing it. Wherever you yeah, are. Forget the money. The money will come later. The money will come later. Just focus on making something. There you go. All right. Well, I'm going to take us out here, guys. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. If you like the show, tell your friends about us. Or you can leave a review on iTunes. Check out our website at makingmoviesishard.com where you can subscribe to our show notes and share your thoughts on this episode. Or you can just send us an email at podcast at makingmoviesishardest.com and we'll share it on the show or not share it on the show or discuss it or answer it or whatever you guys want to do. So, you know, thanks so much, uh, Hassan, for being on the show. And it was so much fun. Okay. And uh, thank you, Timothy, for introducing me to Hassan and everyone to Hassan. I'm, 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 I had a blast, and I hopefully I'll talk to you guys soon about more updates. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. Come Please on do. back, man, and and share, absolutely. share, share more of what, where where you go next with us. That'd be awesome. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, we'll do for sure. If people want to follow along, where can they find you? Where's the best place for them to follow? So uh, check out HassanSaid.com, H-A-S-S-A-N-S-A-I-D.com. Uh, I have on my website a Vimeo channel, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, the whole shebang. So that's the easiest way to find me and all my other links outside the interweb. So everyone go follow yeah. him so that way he can get a movie deal. Exactly. Please do, people. We need your support. We're hungry filmmakers. I just had cereal yesterday. Come on. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, have a good weekend. Right. We'll talk to you soon.